older people, younger people, and, and even kids that are underserved, how do they all work together and what are the intersections? Mm-hmm. And so they talked about food and they talked about technology, but not like you and I think about technology, but how to have young people help older people work with it. Welcome to the Contributor Wednesday series on the Bridge the Gap Network. Each week, you'll hear from a thought leader discussing topics that are relevant and impactful to the senior living industry. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Contributor Wednesday. My name is Jane Rohde, and I am from JSR Associates and Live Together. And we're here with Shrenice Richardson, who also worked with JSR Associates and Live Together. Welcome, Shrenice. Hi, Jane. Thanks for having me. So good to have you here. <laughs> So I thought today we would talk about intergenerational living and some of the work that we've been doing together. And I thought we could start out with a story. I wondered if you would mind telling us about your grandfather and how he's influenced the work that you do in the intergenerational space. Um, yes, of course. So my, my grandfather, he was known as a master barber of uh, Baltimore City. Um, he ran the neighborhood sanitary barbershop on Greenmount Avenue, um, which is actually still there. Um, and so he was known as the guy to go to in the neighborhood. If you just want to come in the shop and just hang there, sit there and talk to him, he always opened up his door for everyone. Um, his main thing is he always wanted to help the young people. Um, he knew that there was a major gap between, um, you know, younger generation having the information that they needed, the guidance that they needed. Um, and he just wanted to be that person. And I'm not sure, you know, if he ever felt that way when he was younger. Um, and, you know, he before he did barbering, he was actually working as a, a trucker. So um took a lot to, for him to find his way to. So a part of me thinks that um, he really felt that need. He wanted to be that that need um, or fulfill that need. Um, as far as the young people um, in the community. Um, and so with that, with the barbering, he would <laughs> invite anybody, anybody who wants to come and learn to cut hair. He would say, yeah, just come over here to my chair. I'm a teacher right now. Or if they, you know, wanted to come back every day and just sit there and talk to him, he was fine with that. Um, all of my uncles, um, they became barbers. Every single one of them, um, he had them working in the shop with him. So um, always wanted to keep them out of trouble. So you're going to be here working with me, if anything. And so um, a lot of the neighborhood, you know, kids saw that. And so that inspired them. Um, and no matter if the, you know, the customers had money to pay for their haircut or whatever, he just wanted to make his customers feel good. And so um, it's all, it almost reminds you of the the movie the barbershop movie um and but he was really really that person um and he was you know also a um a a very religious person but um when it came to you know showing love and everything like that I, i think he looked at that also as far as um bringing and putting his heart into what he was doing and so his main thing he just wanted to help everybody um, the fulfill that love um, that was missing from, you know, communities and everything like that. And he used barbering to do that. It's such a beautiful story. <laughs> I watch, I, I love the story because I watch you and how your heart grows and builds and you can see how it comes from that same need of wanting to 
create space, create mm. good design, create space that changes things in the environment for people and supports them. Uh, we make a, a good pair, I think, with your design passion and my crazy passion for <laughs> operations and trying to make things function well and, and work well for everybody. We've talked a lot about person-centered care in our careers and person-centered not just being the individual resident, but the family and the people who work there and all the different people who are involved in a community. And when we talk about intergenerational, I think that the barbershop experience provides sort of a base, right, mm -hmm. for what does intergenerational mean? What does person-centered mean? And so how do, you, how do you see where some of the intergenerational concepts we've been talking about, where do they come from in terms of that experience that you saw? What, what do you see as bringing people together? What are the key components and parts of how we bring different generations together to live more of a normal life? Um, just creating space, um, creating space, creating um, that opportunity, letting them know that this is not, you know, just where I belong and this is where you belong. It's like, I, it's a, a welcoming atmosphere. And I feel like if you're putting um, almost like a space and trying to draw these um, two different generations in and you just create that opportunity, you know, people will come to it. So you, you have to provide that space. And if it's done with intention, I feel like people can feel that if in, you know, with certain design practices and everything like that, um, you know, people understand um, they experience a space. And so when you have something that's intentionally separated, they can feel that they can feel like, oh, this is just for them. That's not for me. And so I'm just going to stay over here. Not but it, right, at all, at all. And so I feel like that's where it starts, providing the space. Um, and with that space, people see opportunity. And I, I, don't, I don't think if you like start getting like really, really deep into the details of opportunity um, that people will experience the space that you're expect, um, expecting them to. I think people create their own opportunity, create their own experience. But if you just provide that space, you'll be able to see what happens. Um, so I think that's the main important thing. So it's interesting because we've all seen the spaces that are so curated down to the last teaspoon mm -hmm. um, of control, right. right? Controlling either the interior or the architecture of it, or even the operation, the programming of it, and saying, no, you can't have your tea over here, or you have to get up at 4 a.m. because we got to get you at the table at 7. Right. None of that talks to person-centered care. And then there's the the components that bring people together. So when we had our, our darling Sterling, who was from uh, one of the local high schools, worked yeah. with us for a while, and he was part of a STEM program. And some of the, the community uh, research that they did as part of the school project or the community project, which always kind of tickled me because it was like, all right, Young people, are you interested? He goes, you'd be amazed. He goes to school. They're all over this about what is happens between older people and younger people. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really expecting that, you know, so so the two groups did and looked at our challenge was basically how to older people, younger people, and, and even kids that are underserved, how do they all work together and what are the intersections? Mm -hmm. And so they talked about food 
And they talked about technology, but not like you and I think about technology, but how to have young people help older people with it. Um, and then the other part was uh, the activities, like some type of recreation. And But you're right, if you provide the cafe space, but allow for natural neighboring, it doesn't mm-hmm. all have to be completely programmed. And, right. and, and we've seen that with Generations of Hope, too, that there's a portion that's staff because you have to have a little bit of framework, mm-hmm. but the framework has to be flexible enough to allow people to be people. How many spaces have we seen where we go to review an existing project and you're like, uh, nope, just having a, a open courtyard with nothing in it and bad drainage. And, you know, civil engineers seem to like to pitch everything to the drain in the middle of the space, which we could never quite understand. So, so no offense, civil engineers. Uh, but what we, we looked at was just that opportunity of creating a room from the beginning that's right. an outdoor space. Um, so the work we did in, in China, when we looked at doing that, we had everything from a labyrinth that was a, a walking space outside of physical therapy to a wander garden to water features, you know, and big debates about water features. Can you have them? Can you not have them? And a lot of it was as long as you have a really solid toileting incontinence program, you can have water features, you know, so, so you had to look at both sides of it. Uh, I always like the thought of of being able to have indoor outdoor dining, and now since COVID, everyone's like, "Well, don't you have an outdoor dining space?" Because it's almost expected. Right. Whereas before, we wouldn't have even had the opportunity. So, and then it kind of adds on to the outdoor space has all these other values, right? We yeah. have daylight for resetting circadian systems, for people to sleep better at night, vitamin D manufacturing because of exposure to the sun having shaded spaces and, and non-shaded spaces so that you have a variety um, and treating those spaces as though they're, they're rooms in their own, like they're not afterthoughts. Right. Um, to me, that's always frustrating when outdoor space becomes afterthoughts because it's so valuable to the health and wellness of the individuals. So, so when we talk about multi-generational, it really goes a little bit beyond that because really is intergenerational because we do have some services that are available and, and, and evaluation for people to have the resources. Um, So one of the things we've seen a lot is being able to provide sort of a triad of care, if you will. So sort of having the nurse and the social work and PTOT services, but having that access in different ways. Um, So we've been working on one project that has residential assisted living, which is in this case, it's called adult foster care. Every state's different. We know we have all those (laughs) issues. Uh, but it really feels like that's an opportunity within a, a multifamily building to accommodate older adults that have higher needs. Right. So instead of we think of a personal care home or, or a smaller residence being out in the community, which is good, too, because we do those as well. But there's the other piece of what if it's part of a multigenerational community? So it breaks down the silos of what you have in a continuing care retirement community, and it becomes a live together community, with air quotes, um, that that fills that in. Right. Does that does that seem like it, it resonates with everything we've been working on? Yes, most definitely. Um, and just sitting here, you know, thinking about what you were just saying, um, as far as providing those um, different different stages or different types of care. Us providing like that adult foster care um, option within a multifamily, you're you're sitting there thinking about you have all these different types of people that are experiencing all different types 
of life. So from the independent living to adult foster living to, you know, this um, this family who is living in the building also. Um, you might have a child care center that's right next to the building. You might, and if if we're thinking about, you know, all the research and everything that we've done, um, when these people come in contact with all different types or all different um, people at stages of life, I feel like it prolongs life a little bit more. Like you're, you know, you have the access to the, the, the little kids that's running across the lawn that's just like, just walk up to anybody. Like my, my two-year-old, he'll walk up to anybody. Hi, how you doing? And, you know, and think nothing of it just because, you know, he wants to see somebody smile or see somebody laugh. Um, and, you know, you know, a, a, a senior is sitting there and they're, you know, just like, oh, this little kid. And they sit there and be able to play with them for a little bit. To me, that's like a, a, a an immediate, like, boost in somebody's day. Or um, And so just putting that, um, our, these different components, it's not just saying, oh, we just want everybody to live here. Where it's it's done with intention to the point of we know that everyone benefits from one another. Everybody has a different experiences. Everybody is trying to learn something. Everybody's trying to evolve, <laughs> even though some people don't like change. Unfortunately, change happened. And so I feel like providing this experience is less of a force, like take this change, and more like experience this change. And you can change with it. It's fine. Um, and yeah. it's such and it's such a different atmosphere. So if we take the apartment idea for mm-hmm. residential assisted living and say, okay, so they're already familiar with everybody who lives in the building. Everyone has access to everyone in the building. It's right. not like you're ripping someone out of their community and saying, okay, we're now going to put you in a nursing home that that doesn't have a person-centered care model. It doesn't have consistent staff. It doesn't have all these other pieces and parts that allow people to feel like they're cared for by the same people or get to know them. Right. So, you know, my, my foster daughter, Taisha, I think you've met her a few times and she had this one, she's just moved back up to Baltimore, but she, before this, she had this client who was blind and she only worked on the weekends with her. So she needed something more full time. So she's still with the same agency, but she's moved back up to Baltimore. But it was really hard for her to leave her because they bonded. She goes, she goes, I didn't take this other job, mom, because I, this, this is really important to me because I, I bonded with her. And I said, well, you still have her number. You can still reach out. You can still connect. You can go visit her. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they created a friendship and it meant something to the woman's daughter as well as to the elder. And, and I just look at that and I think that's really what it's about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about knowing that a little, you know, Kago's running across the, the, the grass to talk with somebody, but he could also go in and say hello if someone needed to have some company in a smaller environment or in their home or in the apartment. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's what I think people miss. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see, I hear a lot about uh, the workforce development, of course, because that's our one of our biggest problems, right, is the staffing of things. And and so one of the reasons we wanted to do the intergenerational model was also to get the demonstration project finished. We're working on a few right now. We'll see which one pops to the top. But the idea is that you'd be able to use that demonstration project to actually hands-on train and show people that this is possible. Yeah. You know, I think so many people, it's like the no, the, the nopey doll, you know, it's like, nope, can't do that. Nope, can't do that. And I'm like, well, why can't you? 
have you have you explored it a little further? Have you exhausted all possibilities? Because in, in some of our projects, I feel like we have, but we still are working on how do we provide a continuum of care within the context of the need of the community at large. And I think we miss that a lot of times. It's only about how many homes can we get on this lot, not how many people are going to be living here. Who are they? What What's their favorite meal? What, what do they like to get up? You know, you know, how can we make them more comfortable? Because um, I think about how isolation has impacted all of us. So we can all right. imagine, right, being put into some place where you don't know anyone and perhaps you don't hear very well, but and you're not particularly outgoing if you're more introverted too. And then you're put into a setting where you know no one, you don't know where the restroom is, you don't know where to eat, you don't, you know, so you kind of close down and close off. Yeah. But what if it was the opposite? You know, what if there was workforce development was right on site? You, you got to meet some of the people who, excuse me, were caring for people, all those different pieces and parts. I mean, I think that that's that's what makes my heart happy, you yeah. know, is it, seeing how some of those interactions can really be done and really done well. Yeah, I agree. So. Well, thank you for your time. That will breeze through really quickly. We didn't wonder about <laughs> filling up the time. So uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Sharnice. Great to talk with you as always. And thanks for listening to this week's BTG Contributor Wednesday. Thanks for listening to the Contributor Wednesday series on the Bridge the Gap Network. For a full library of episodes, visit btgvoice.com.